Book Ten, Chapters Thirty One to Thirty Five of the Confessions by Saint Augustine, translated by E. B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Ten, Chapter Thirty One. There is another evil of the day which I would were sufficient for it, for by eating and drinking we repair the daily decays of our body, until thou destroy both body and meat when thou shalt slay my emptiness with a wonderful fullness and clothe this incorruptible with an eternal incorruption but now the necessity is sweet unto me against which sweetness i fight that i be not taken captive and carry on a daily war by fastings often bringing my body into subjection and my pains are removed by pleasure for hunger and thirst are in a manner pains they burn and kill like a fever unless the medicine of nourishments come to our aid which since it is at hand through the consolations of thy gifts with which the land and water and air serve our weakness our calamity is termed gratification this hast thou taught me that i should set myself to take food as physic but while i am passing from the discomfort of emptiness into the content of replenishing in the very passage the snare of concupiscence besets me for that passing is pleasure nor is there any other way to pass thither whither we needs must pass and health being the cause of eating and drinking there joineth itself as an attendant a dangerous pleasure which mostly endeavours to go before it so that i may for her sake do what i say i do or wish to do for health's sake nor have each the same measure for what is enough for health is too little for pleasure and oft it is uncertain whether it be the necessary care of the body which is yet asking for sustenance or whether a voluptuous deceivableness of greediness is proffering its services in this uncertainty the unhappy soul rejoiceth and therein prepares an excuse to shield itself glad that it appeareth not what sufficeth for the moderation of health that under the cloak of health it may disguise the matter of gratification these temptations i daily endeavour to resist and i call upon thy right hand and to thee do i refer my perplexities because i have as yet no settled counsel herein i hear the voice of my god commanding let not your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness drunkenness is far from me thou wilt have mercy that it come not near me but full feeding sometimes creepeth upon thy servant thou wilt have mercy that it may be far from me for no one can be continent unless thou give it many things thou givest us praying for them and what good soever we have received before we prayed from thee we received it yea to the end we might afterwards know this did we before receive it drunkard was i never but drunkards have i known made sober by thee from thee then it was that they who never were such should not be so as from thee it was that they who have been should not ever so be and from thee it was that both might know from whom it was i heard another voice of thine go not after thy lusts and from thy pleasure turn away yea by thy favour have i heard that which i have much loved neither if we eat shall we be abound neither if we eat shall we lack which is to say neither shall the one make me plenteous nor the other miserable i heard also another 
for which i have learned in whatever state i am therefore to be content i know how to abound and how to suffer need i can do all things through christ that strengtheneth me behold the soldier of the heavenly camp not the dust which we are but remember lord that we are dust and that of dust thou hast made man and he was lost and is found nor could he of himself do this because he whom i so loved saying this through the inbreathing of thy inspiration was of the same dust i can do all things saith he through him that strengtheneth me strengthen me that i can give what thou enjoinest and enjoin what thou wilt he confesses to have received and when he glorieth in the lord he glorieth another have i heard begging that he might receive take from me saith he the desires of the belly whence it appeareth o my holy god that thou givest when that is done which thou commandest to be done thou hast taught me good father that to the pure all things are pure but that it is evil unto the man that eateth with offence and that every creature of thine is good and nothing to be refused which is received with thanksgiving and that meat commendeth us not to god and that no man should judge us in meat or drink and that he which eateth let him not despise him that eateth not and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth these things have i learned thanks be to thee praise to thee my god my master knocking at my ears enlightening my heart deliver me out of all temptation i fear not uncleanness of meat but the uncleanness of lusting i know that noah was permitted to eat all kinds of flesh that was good for food that elijah was fed with flesh that john endued with an admirable abstinence was not polluted by feeding on living creatures locusts i know also that esau was deceived by lusting for lentils that david blamed himself for desiring a draught of water and that our king was tempted not concerning flesh but bread and therefore the people in the wilderness also deserve to be reproved not for desiring flesh but because in their desire for food they murmured against the lord placed then amid these temptations i strive daily against concupiscence in eating and drinking for it is not of such nature that i can settle on cutting it off once for all and never touching it afterward as i could of concubinage the bridle of the throat then is to be held attempered between slackness and stiffness and who is he o lord who is not some which transported beyond the limits of necessity whoever he is he is a great one let him make thy name great but i am not such for i am a sinful man yet do i too magnify thy name and he maketh intercession to thee for my sins who hath overcome the world numbering me among the weak members of his body because thine eyes have seen that of him which is imperfect and in thy book shall all be written chapter thirty two with all the allurements and smells i am not much concerned when absent i do not miss them when present i do not refuse them yet ever ready to be without them so i seem to myself perchance i am deceived for that also is mournful darkness whereby my abilities within me are hidden from me so that my mind making inquiry into herself by her own powers ventures not readily to believe herself because even what is in it is mostly hidden unless experience reveal it 
and no one ought to be secure in that life the whole whereof is called a trial that he who hath been capable of worse to be made better may not likewise of better be made worse our only hope our confidence only assured promise is thy mercy chapter thirty three the delights of the ear had more firmly entangled and subdued me but thou didst loosen and free me now in those melodies which thy words breathe soul into when sung with a sweet and attuned voice i do a little repose yet not so as to be held thereby but that i can disengage myself when i will but with the words which are their life and whereby they find admission into me themselves seek in my affections a place of some estimation and i can scarcely assign them one suitable for at one time i seem to myself to give them more honour than is seemly feeling our minds to be more holily and fervently raised unto a flame of devotion by the holy words themselves when thus sung than when not and that the several affections of our spirit by a sweet variety have their own proper measures in the voice and singing by some hidden correspondence wherewith they are stirred up but this contentment of the flesh to which the soul must not be given over to be inebriated doth oft beguile me the sense not so waiting upon reason as patiently to follow her but having been admitted merely for her sake it strives even to run before her and lead her thus in these things i unawares sin but afterwards am aware of it at other times shunning over anxiously this very deception i err in too great strictness and sometimes to that degree as to wish the whole melody of sweet music which is used to david's psalter banished from my ears and the churches too and that mode seems to me safer which i remember to have been often told me of anathasius bishop of alexandria who made the reader of the psalm utter it with so slight inflection of voice that it was nearer speaking than singing yet again when i remember the tears i shed at the psalmody of thy church in the beginning of my recovered faith and how at this time i am moved not with the singing but with the things sung when they are sung with a clear voice and modulation most suitable i acknowledge the great use of this institution thus i fluctuate between peril of pleasure and approved wholesomeness inclined the rather though not as pronouncing an irrevocable opinion to approve of the usage of singing in the church so that by the delight of the ears the weaker minds may rise to the feeling of devotion yet when it befalls me to be more moved with a voice than the words sung i confess to have sinned penally and then had rather not hear music see now my state weep with me and weep for me ye who so regulate your feelings within as that good action ensues for you who do not act these things touch not you but thou o lord my god hearken behold and see and have mercy and heal me thou in whose presence i have become a problem to myself and that is my infirmity chapter thirty four there remains the pleasure of these eyes of my flesh on which to make my confessions in the hearing of the ears of thy temple those brotherly and devout ears and so to conclude the temptations of the lust of the flesh which yet assail me groaning earnestly and desiring to be clothed upon with my house from heaven the eyes love fair and varied forms and bright and soft colours let not these occupy my soul let god rather occupy it who made these things very good indeed yet is he my good and not they 
and these affect me waking the whole day nor is any rest given me from them as there is from musical sometimes in silence from all voices for this queen of colours the light bathing all which we behold wherever i am through the day gliding by me in varied forms soothes me when engaged on other things and not observing it and so strongly doth it entwine itself that if it be suddenly withdrawn it is with longing sought for and if absent long saddeneth the mind o thou light which tobias saw when these eyes closed he taught his son the way of life and himself went before with the feet of charity never swerving or which isaac saw when his fleshly eyes being heavy and closed by old age it was vouchsafed him not knowingly to bless his sons but by blessing to know them or when jacob saw when he also blind through great age with illumined heart in the persons of his sons shed light on the different races of the future people in them foresignified and laid his hands mystically crossed upon his grandchildren by joseph not as their father by his outward eye corrected them but as himself inwardly discerned this is the light it is one and all are one who see and love it but that corporeal light whereof i spake it seasoneth the life of this world for her blind lovers with an enticing and dangerous sweetness but they who know how to praise thee for it o all creating lord take it up in thy hymns and are not taken up with it in their sleep such would i be these seductions of the eyes i resist lest my feet wherewith i walk upon thy way be ensnared and i lift up mine invisible eyes to thee that thou wouldst pluck my feet out of the snare thou dost ever and anon pluck them out for they are ensnared thou ceasest not to pluck them out while i often entangle myself in the snares on all sides laid because thou that keepest israel shall neither slumber nor sleep what innumerable toys made by divers arts and manufacturers in our apparel shoes utensils and all sorts of works in pictures also and divers images and these far exceeding all necessary and moderate use and all pious meaning have men added to tempt their own eyes withal outwardly following what themselves make inwardly forsaking him by whom themselves were made and destroying that which themselves have been made but i my god and my glory do hence also sing a hymn to thee and do consecrate praise to him who consecrateth me because those beautiful patterns which through men's souls are conveyed into their cunning hands come from that beauty which is above our souls which my soul day and night sigheth after but the framers and followers of the outward beauties derive thence the rule of judging of them but not of using them and he is there though they perceive him not so that they might not wander but keep their strength for thee and not scatter it abroad upon pleasurable weariness and i though i speak and see this entangle my steps with these outward beauties but thou pluckest me out o lord thou pluckest me out because thy loving-kindness is before my eyes for i am taken miserably and thou pluckest me out mercifully sometimes not perceiving it when i had but lightly lighted upon them otherwhiles with pain because i had stuck fast in them chapter thirty five to this is added another form of temptation more manifoldly dangerous for besides that 
concupiscence of the flesh which consisteth in the delight of all senses and pleasures wherein its slaves who go far from thee waste and perish the soul hath through the same senses of the body a certain vain and curious desire veiled under the title of knowledge and learning not of delighting in the flesh but of making experiments through the flesh the seat whereof being in the appetite of knowledge and sight being the sense chiefly used for attaining knowledge it is in divine language called the lust of the eyes for to see belongeth properly to the eyes yet we use this word of the other senses also when we employ them in seeking knowledge for we do not say hark how it flashes or smell how it glows or taste how it shines or feel how it gleams for all these are said to be seen and yet we say not only see how it shineth which the eyes alone can perceive but also see how it soundeth and see how it smelleth see how it tasteth see how hard it is and so the general experience of the senses as was said is called the lust of the eyes because the office of seeing wherein the eyes hold the prerogative the other senses by way of similitude take to themselves when they make search after any knowledge but by this may more evidently be discerned wherein pleasure and wherein curiosity is the object of the senses for pleasure seeketh objects beautiful melodious fragrant savoury soft but curiosity for trial's sake the contrary as well not for the sake of suffering annoyance but out of the lust of making trial and knowing them for what pleasure hath it to see in a mangled carcass what will make you shudder and yet if it be lying near they flock thither to be made sad and to turn pale even in sleep they are afraid to see it as if when awake any one forced them to see it or any report of its beauty drew them thither thus also in the other senses which it were long to go through from this disease of curiosity are all those strange sights exhibited in the theatre hence men go on to search out the hidden powers of nature which is besides our end which to know profits not and wherein men desire nothing but to know hence also if with that same end of perverted knowledge magical arts be inquired by hence also in religion itself is god tempted when signs and wonders are demanded of him not desired for any good end but merely to make trial of in this so vast wilderness full of snares and dangers behold many of them i have cut off and thrust out of my heart as thou hast given me o god of my salvation and yet when dare i say since so many things of this kind buzz on all sides about our daily life when dare i say that nothing of this sort engages my attention or causes in me any idle interest true the theatres do not now carry me away nor care i to know the courses of the stars nor did my soul ever consult ghosts departed all sacrilegious mysteries i detest from thee o lord my god to whom i owe humble and single-hearted service by what artifices and suggestions doth the enemy deal with me to desire some sign but i beseech thee by our king and by our pure and holy country jerusalem that as any consenting thereto is far from me so may it be even further and further but when i pray to thee for the salvation of any my end and intention is far different thou givest and wilt give me to follow thee willingly doing what thou wilt notwithstanding 
in how many most petty and contemptible things is our curiosity daily tempted and how often we give way who can recount how often do we begin as if we were tolerating people telling vain stories lest we offend the weak then by degrees we take interest therein i go not now to the circus to see a dog coursing a hare but in the field if passing that coursing peradventure will distract me even from some weighty thought and draw me after it not that i turn aside the body of my beast but yet still inclined my mind thither and unless thou having made me see my infirmity didst speedily admonish me either through the sight itself by some contemplation to rise towards thee or altogether to despise and pass it by i dully stand fixed therein what when sitting at home a lizard catching flies or spider entangling them rushing into her nets oftentimes takes my attention is the thing different because they are but small creatures i go on from them to praise thee the wonderful creator and orderer of all but this does not first draw my attention it is one thing to rise quickly another not to fall and of such things is my life full and my one hope is thy wonderful great mercy for when our heart becomes the receptacle of such things and is overcharged with throngs of this abundant vanity then are our prayers also thereby often interrupted and distracted and whilst in thy presence we direct the voice of our heart to thine ears this so great concern is broken off by the rushing in of i know not what idle thoughts shall we then account this also among things of slight concernment or shall aught bring us back to hope save thy complete mercy since thou hast begun to change us End of book ten chapter thirty five Book Ten, Chapters Thirty Six to Forty Three of The Confessions by Saint Augustine, translated by E. B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Ten, Chapter Thirty Six. And thou knowest how far thou hast already changed me, who first healedst me of the lust of vindicating myself, so that thou might forgive all the rest of my iniquities and heal all my infirmities and redeem my life from corruption and crown me with mercy and pity and satisfy my desire with good things who didst curb my pride with thy fear and tame my neck to thy yoke and now i bear it and it is light unto me because so hast thou promised and hast made it and verily so it was and i knew it not when i feared to take it but o lord thou alone lord without pride because thou art the only true lord who hast no lord hath this third kind of temptation also ceased from me or can it cease through this whole life to wish namely to be feared and loved of men for no other end but that we may have a joy therein which is no joy a miserable life this and a foul boastfulness hence especially it comes that men do neither purely love nor fear thee and therefore dost thou resist the proud and give grace to the humble yea thou thunderest down upon the ambitions of the world and the foundations of the mountains tremble because now certain offices of human society make it necessary to be loved and feared of men the adversary of our true blessedness layeth hard at us everywhere spreading his snares of well done well done that greedily catching at them we may be taken unawares and sever our joy from thy truth and set it in the deceivingness of man 
and be pleased at being loved and feared not for thy sake but in thy stead and thus having been made like him we may have them for his own not in the bands of charity but out of the bonds of punishment who proposed to set his throne in the north that dark and chilled they might serve him pervertedly and crookedly imitating thee but we o lord behold we are thy little flock possess us as thine stretch thy wings over us and let us fly under them be thou our glory let us be loved for thee and thy word feared in us who would be praised of men when thou blamest will not be defended of men when thou judgest nor delivered when thou condemnest but when not the sinner is praised in the desires of his soul nor he blessed who doth ungodly but a man is praised for some gift which thou hast given him and he rejoices more at the praise for himself than that he hath the gift for which he is praised he is also praised while thou dispraiseth and better is he who praised than he who is praised for the one took pleasure in the gift of god in man the other was better pleased with the gift of man than of god chapter thirty seven by these temptations we are assailed daily o lord without ceasing we are assailed our daily furnace is the tongue of men and in this way also thou commandest us continence give what thou enjoinest and enjoin what thou wilt thou knowest on this matter the groans of my heart and the floods of mine eyes for i cannot learn how far i am more cleansed from this plague and i much fear my secret sins which thine eyes know mine do not for in other kinds of temptations i have some sort of means of examining myself in this scarcely any for in refraining my mind from the pleasures of the flesh and idle curiosity i see how much i have attained to when i do without them foregoing or not having them for then i ask myself how much more or less troublesome it is to me not to have them then riches which are desired that they may serve to some one or two or all of the three concupiscences if the soul cannot discern whether when it hath them it despiseth them they may be cast aside so that it may prove itself but to be without praise and therein say our powers we must live ill yea so abandonedly and atrociously that no one should know without detesting us what greater madness can be said or thought of but if praise useth and ought to accompany a good life and good works we ought as little to forgo its company as good life itself yet i know not whether i can well or ill be without anything unless it be absent what then do i confess unto thee in this kind of temptation o lord what but that i am delighted with praise but with truth itself more than with praise for it were proposed to me whether i would being frenzied in error on all things be praised by all men or being consistent and settled in the truth be blamed by all i see which i should choose yet fain would i that the approbation of another should not even increase my joy for any good in me yet i own it doth increase it and not only so but dispraise both diminish it and when i am troubled at this my misery an excuse occurs to me which of what value it is thou god knowest for it leaves me uncertain for since thou hast commanded us not to continency alone that is from what things to refrain our love but righteousness also 
that is wherein to bestow it and hast willed us to love not thee only but our neighbour also often when pleased with intelligent praise i seem to myself to be pleased with the proficiency or towardliness of my neighbour or to be grieved for evil in him when i hear him dispraise either what he understands not or is good for sometimes i am grieved at my own praise either when those things be praised in me in which i mislike myself or even lesser and slight goods are more esteemed than they ought but again how know i whether i am therefore thus affected because i would not have him who praiseth me differ from me about myself not as being influenced by concern for him but because those some good things which please me in myself please me more when they please another also for somehow i am not praised when my judgment of myself is not praised forasmuch as either those things are praised which displease me or those more which please me less am i then doubtful of myself in this matter behold in thee o truth i see that i ought not to be moved at my own praises for my own sake but for the good of my neighbour and whether it be so with me i know not for herein i know less of myself than of thee i beseech now o my god discover to me myself also that i may confess unto my brethren who are to pray for me wherein i find myself maimed let me examine myself again more diligently if in my praise i am moved with the good of my neighbour why am i less moved if another be unjustly dispraised than if it be myself why am i more stung by reproach cast upon myself than at that cast upon another with the same injustice before me know i not this also or is it at last that i deceive myself and do not the truth before thee in my heart and tongue this madness put far from me o lord lest mine own mouth be to me the sinner's oil to make fat my head i am poor and needy yet best while hidden in groanings i displease myself and seek thy mercy until what is lacking in my defective state be renewed and perfected on to that peace which the eye of the proud knoweth not chapter thirty eight yea the word which cometh out of the mouth and deeds known to men bring with them a most dangerous temptation through the love of praise which to establish a certain excellency of our own solicits and collects men's suffrages it tempts even when it is reproved by myself in myself on the very ground that it is reproved and often glories more vainly of the very contempt of vainglory and so it is no longer contempt of vainglory whereof it glories for it doth not contemn when it glorifieth chapter thirty nine within also within is another evil arising out of a like temptation whereby men become vain pleasing themselves in themselves though they please not or displease or care not to please others but pleasing themselves they much displease thee not only taking pleasure in things not good as if good but in thy good things as though their own or even if as thine yet as though for their own merits or even if as though from thy grace yet not with brotherly rejoicing but envying that grace to others in all these and the like perils and travails thou seest the trembling of my heart and i rather feel my wounds to be cured by thee than not inflicted by me chapter forty where hast thou not walked with me o truth teaching me what to beware and what to desire when i referred to thee that i could discover here below 
and consulted thee with my outward senses as i might i surveyed the world and surveyed the life which my body hath from me and these my senses thence entered i the recesses of my memory those manifold and spacious chambers wonderfully furnished with innumerable stores and i considered and stood aghast being able to discern nothing of these things without thee and finding none of them to be thee nor was i myself who found out these things who went over them all and laboured to distinguish and value everything according to its dignity taking some things upon the report of my senses questioning about others which i felt to be mingled with myself numbering and distinguishing the reporters themselves and in the large treasure-house of my memory revolving some things storing up others drawing out others nor yet was i myself when i did this i e that my power whereby i did it neither was it thou for thou art the abiding light which i consulted concerning all these whether they were what they were and how to be valued and i heard thee directing and commanding me and this i often do this delights me and as far as i may be freed from necessary duties unto this pleasure have i recourse nor in all these which i run over consulting thee can i find any safe place for my soul but in thee whither my scattered members may be gathered and nothing of me depart from thee and sometimes thou admittest me into an affection very unusual in my inmost soul rising to a strange sweetness which if it were perfected in me i know not what in it would not belong to the life to come but through my miserable encumbrances i sink down again into these lower things and am swept back by former custom and am held and greatly weep but am greatly held so much doth the burden of a bad custom weigh us down here i can stay but would not there i would but cannot both ways miserable chapter forty one thus have i considered the sicknesses of my sins in that threefold concupiscence and have called thy right hand to my help for with a wounded heart have i beheld thy brightness and stricken back i said who can attain thither i am cast away from the sight of thine eyes thou art the truth who presideth over all but i through my covetousness would not indeed forego thee but would with thee possess a lie as no man in such wise speak falsely as himself to be ignorant of the truth so then i lost thee because thou vouchsafest not to be possessed with a lie chapter forty two whom could i find to reconcile me to thee was i to have recourse to angels by what prayers by what sacraments many endeavouring to return unto thee and of themselves unable have as i hear tried this and fallen into the desire of curious visions and been accounted worthy to be deluded for they being high-minded sought thee by the pride of learning swelling out rather than smiting upon their breasts and so by the agreement of their heart drew unto themselves the princes of the air the fellow-conspirators of their pride by whom through magical influences they were deceived seeking a mediator by whom they might be purged and there was none for the devil it was transforming himself into an angel of light and it much enticed proud flesh that he had no body of flesh for they were mortal and sinners but thou lord to whom they proudly sought to be reconciled art immortal and without sin but a mediator between god and man must have something like to god 
something like to men lest being in both like man he should be far from god or if in both like god too far from man and so not be a mediator that deceitful mediator then by whom in thy secret judgments pride deserved to be deluded hath one thing in common with man that is sin another he would seem to have in common with god and not being clothed with the mortality of flesh would vaunt himself to be immortal but since the wages of sin is death this hath he in common with men whereby with them he should be condemned to death chapter forty three but the true mediator whom in thy secret mercy thou hast showed to the humble and sentest that by his example also they might learn that same humility that mediator between god and man the man christ jesus appeared betwixt mortal sinners and the immortal just one mortal with men just with god that because the wages of righteousness is life and peace he might by a righteousness conjoined with god make void that death of sinners now made righteous which he willed to have in common with them hence he was showed forth to holy men of old that so they through faith in his passion to come as we through faith of it past might be saved for as man he was a mediator but as the word not in the middle between god and man because equal to god and god with god and together one god how hast thou loved us good father who sparedest not thine own son but deliverest him up for us ungodly how hast thou loved us for whom he that thought it no robbery to be equal with thee was made subject even to the death of the cross he alone free among the dead having power to lay down his life and power to take it again for us to thee both victor and victim and therefore victor because the victim for us to thee priest and sacrifice and therefore priest because the sacrifice making us to thee of servants sons being born of thee and serving us well then is my hope strong in him that thou wilt heal all my infirmities by him who sitteth at thy right hand and maketh intercession for us else should i despair for many and great are my infirmities many they are and great but thy medicine is mightier we might imagine that thy word was far from any union with man and despair of ourselves unless he had been made flesh and dwelt among us affrighted with my sins and the burden of my misery i had cast in my heart and had purposed to flee to the wilderness but thou forbadest me and strengthenest me saying therefore christ died for all that they which live may now no longer live unto themselves but unto him that died for them see lord i cast my care upon thee that i may live and consider wondrous things out of thy law thou knowest my unskilfulness and my infirmities teach me and heal me he thine own son in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hath redeemed me with his blood let not the proud speak evil of me because i meditate on my ransom and eat and drink and communicate it and poor desired to be satisfied from him amongst those that eat and are satisfied and they shall praise the lord who seek him End of book 10. Book 11, chapters 1 to 9 of The Confessions by St. Augustine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne.
Book Eleven. Augustine breaks off the history of the mode whereby God led him to holy orders, in order to confess God's mercies in opening to him the Scripture. Moses is not to be understood, but in Christ, not even the first words, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Answer to cavaliers who asked, What did God before he created the heaven and the earth, and whence willed he at length to make them, whereas he did not make them before? Inquiry into the Nature of Time Chapter 1 Lord, since eternity is thine, art thou ignorant of what I say to thee, or dost thou see in time what passeth in time? Why then do I lay in order before thee so many relations? Not of a truth, that thou mightest learn them through me, but to stir up mine own and my readers' devotions towards thee, that we may all say, great is the lord and greatly to be praised i have said already and again will say for love of thy love do i this for we pray also and yet truth hath said your father knoweth what you have need of before you ask it is then our affections which we lay open unto thee confessing our own miseries and thy mercies upon us that thou mayest free us wholly since thou hast begun that we may cease to be wretched in ourselves, and be blessed in thee, seeing thou hast called us to become poor in spirit, and meek, and mourners, and hungering and athirst after righteousness, and merciful, and pure in heart, and peacemakers. See, I have told thee many things, as I could and as I would, because thou first wouldest that I should confess unto thee, my Lord God. For thou art good, for thy mercy endureth for ever. Chapter 2 But how shall I suffice with the tongue of my pen to utter all thy exhortations, and all thy terrors, and comforts, and guidances, whereby thou broughtest me to preach thy word, and dispense thy sacrament to thy people? And if I suffice to utter them in order, the drops of time are precious with me, and long have I burned to meditate in thy law, and therein to confess to thee my skill and unskilfulness, the daybreak of thy enlightening, and the remnants of my darkness, until infirmity be swallowed up by strength. And I would not have aught besides steal away those hours which I find free from the necessities of refreshing my body and the powers of my mind, and of the service which we owe to men, or which, though we owe not, yet we pay. O Lord my God, Give ear unto my prayer, and let thy mercy hearken unto my desire, because it is anxious not for myself alone, but would serve brotherly charity, and thou seest my heart, that so it is. I would sacrifice to thee the service of my thought and tongue. Do thou give me what I may offer thee, for I am poor and needy, thou rich to all that call upon thee. Who, inaccessible to care, carest for us? Circumcise from all rashness and all lying, both my inward and outward lips. Let thy scriptures be my pure delights. Let me not be deceived in them, nor deceive out of them. Lord, hearken and pity, O Lord my God, light of the blind, and strength of the weak. Yea, also light of those that see, and strength of the strong. Hearken unto my soul, and hear it crying out of the depths. For if thine ears be not with us in the depths also, 
whither shall we go whither cry the day is thine the night is thine at thy back the moments flee by grant thereof a space for our meditations in the hidden things of thy law and close it not against us who knock for not in vain wouldst thou have the darksome secrets of so many pages written nor are those forests without their hearts which retire therein and range and walk feed lie down and ruminate perfect me o lord and reveal them unto me behold thy voice is my joy thy voice exceedeth the abundance of pleasures give what i love for i do love and this thou hast given forsake not thy own gifts nor despise thy green herb that thirsteth let me confess unto thee whatsoever i shall find in thy books and hear the voice of praise and drink in thee and meditate on the wonderful things out of thy law even from the beginning wherein thou madest the heaven and the earth unto the everlasting reigning of thy holy city with thee lord have mercy upon me and hear my desire for it is not i deem of the earth not of gold and silver and precious stones or gorgeous apparel or honours and offices or the pleasures of the flesh or necessaries for the body and for this life of our pilgrimage all which shall be added unto those that seek thy kingdom and thy righteousness behold o lord my god wherein is my desire the wicked have told me of delights but not such as thy law o lord behold wherein is my desire behold father behold and see and approve and be it pleasing in the sight of thy mercy that i may find grace before thee that the inward parts of thy words be opened to me knocking i beseech by our lord jesus christ thy son the man of thy right hand the son of man whom thou hast established for thyself as thy mediator and ours through whom thou soughtest us not seeking thee but soughtest us that we might seek thee thy word through whom thou madest all things and among them me also thy only begotten through whom thou callest to adoption the believing people and therein me also i beseech thee by him who sitteth at thy right hand and intercedeth with thee for us in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge these do i seek in thy books of him did moses write this saith himself this saith the truth chapter three i would hear and understand how in the beginning thou madest the heaven and earth moses wrote this wrote and departed passed hence from thee to thee nor is he now before me for if he were i would hold him and ask him and beseech him by thee to open these things unto me and would lay the ears of my body to the sounds bursting out of his mouth and should he speak hebrew in vain will it strike on my senses nor would aught of it touch my mind but if latin i should know what he said but whence should i know whether he spake truth yea and if i knew this also should i know it from him truly within me within in the chamber of my thoughts truth neither hebrew nor greek nor latin nor barbarian without organs of voice or tongue or sound of syllables would say it is truth and i forthwith should say confidently to that man of thine thou sayest truly 
whereas then I cannot inquire of him, thee, thee I beseech, O truth, full of whom he spake truth, thee, my God, I beseech, forgive my sins, and thou, who gavest him thy servant to speak these things, give to me also to understand them. CHAPTER Four. Behold, the heavens and the earth are. They proclaim that they were created, for they change and vary. Whereas, whatsoever hath not been made, and yet is, hath nothing in it, which before it had not. And this it is, to change and vary. They proclaim also, that they made not themselves. Therefore we are, because we have been made, and we were not, therefore, before we were, so as to make ourselves. Now the evidence of the thing is the voice of the speakers. Thou therefore, Lord, madest them, who art beautiful, for they are beautiful, who art good, for they are good, who art, for they are. Yet they are not beautiful, nor good, nor are they, as thou their creator art, compared with whom they are neither beautiful, nor good, nor are. This we know, thanks be to thee and our knowledge, compared with thy knowledge, is ignorance. CHAPTER five. But how didst thou make the heaven and the earth, and what the engine of thy so mighty fabric? For it was not as a human artificer, forming one body from another, according to the discretion of his mind, which can in some way invest with such a form, as it seeth in itself by its inward eye, and whence should he be able to do this, unless thou hast made that mind? And he invests with a form what already existeth, and hath a being, as clay, or stone, or wood, or gold, or the like. And whence should they be, hast not thou appointed them? Thou madest the artificer his body, thou the mind commanding the limbs, thou the matter whereof he makes any thing, thou the apprehension whereby to take in his art, and see within what he doth without. Thou the sense of his body, whereby, as by an interpreter, he may from mind to matter convey that which he doth, and report to his mind what is done, that it within may consult the truth, which presideth over itself, whether it be well done or no. All these praise thee, the creator of all. But how dost thou make them? How, O God? didst thou make the heaven and earth? Verily, neither in the heaven nor in the earth didst thou make heaven and earth, nor in the air or waters, seeing these also belong to the heaven and the earth, nor in the whole world didst thou make the whole world, because there was no place where to make it before it was made that it might be. Nor didst thou hold anything in thy hand whereof to make heaven and earth, for whence shouldst thou have this, which thou hast not made, thereof to make anything, for what is, but because thou art. Therefore thou spakest, and they were made, and in thy word thou madest them. CHAPTER six. But how didst thou speak? In the way that the voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. For that voice passed by and passed away, began and ended, the syllables sounded and passed away, the second after the first, the third after the second, and so forth in order, until the last after the rest, and silence after the last. Whence it is abundantly clear and plain that the motion of a creature expressed it, itself temporal, serving thy eternal will. 
and these thy words created for a time the outward ear reported to the intelligent soul whose inward ear lay listening to thy eternal word but she compared these words sounding in time with that thy eternal word in silence and said it is different far different these words are far beneath me nor are they because they flee and pass away but the word of my lord abideth above me for ever if then in sounding and passing words thou sayest that heaven and earth should be made and so madest heaven and earth there was a corporal creature before heaven and earth by whose motions in time that voice might take his course in time but there was not corporal before heaven and earth or if there were surely thou hadst without such a passing voice created that whereof to make this passing voice by which to say let the heaven and earth be made for whatsoever that were whereof such a voice were made unless by thee it were made it could not be at all but what word then didst thou speak that a body might be made whereby these words again might be made chapter seven thou callest us then to understand the word god with thee god which is spoken eternally and by it are all things spoken eternally for what was spoken was not spoken successively one thing concluded that the next might be spoken but all things together and eternally else we have time and change and not a true eternity nor true immortality this i know o my god and give thanks i know i confess to thee o lord and with me there knows and blesses thee whoso is not unthankful to assured truth we know lord we know since inasmuch as anything is not which was and is which was not so far forth it dieth and ariseth nothing then of thy word doth give place or replace because it is truly immortal and eternal and therefore unto the word co-eternal with thee thou dost at once and eternally say all that thou dost say and whatever thou sayest shall be made is made nor dost thou make otherwise than by saying and yet are not all things made together or everlasting which thou makest by saying chapter eight why i beseech thee o lord my god i see it in a way but how to express it i know not unless it be that whatsoever begins to be and leaves off to be begins then and leaves off then when in thy eternal reason it is known that it ought to begin or leave off in which reason nothing beginneth or leaveth off this is thy word which is also the beginning because also it speaketh unto us thus in the gospel he speaketh through the flesh and this sounded outwardly in the ears of men that it might be believed and sought inwardly and found in the eternal verity where the good and only teacher teacheth all his disciples there lord hear i thy voice speaking unto me because he speaketh unto us who teacheth us but he that teacheth us not though he speaketh to us he speaketh not who now teacheth us but the unchangeable truth for even when we were admonished through a changeable creature we are but led to the unchangeable truth where we learn truly while we stand and hear him and rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice restoring us to him from whom we are 
and therefore the beginning unless it abided there should not be when we went astray be withered to return but when we return from error it is through knowing that we return and that we may know he teacheth us because he is the beginning and speaking unto us chapter nine in the beginning o god hast thou made heaven and earth in thy word in thy son in thy power in thy wisdom in thy truth wondrously speaking and wondrously making who shall comprehend who declare it what is that which gleams through me and strikes my heart without hurting it and i shudder and kindle i shudder inasmuch as i am unlike it i kindle inasmuch as i am like it it is wisdom wisdom's self which gleameth through me severing my cloudiness which yet again mantles over me fainting from it through the darkness which for my punishment gathers upon me for my strength is brought down in need so that i cannot support my blessings till thou lord who hast been gracious to all mine iniquities shalt heal all my infirmities for thou shalt also redeem my life from corruption and crown me with loving-kindness and tender mercies and shalt satisfy my desire with good things because my youth shall be renewed like an eagle's for in hope we are saved wherefore we through patience wait for thy promises let him that is able hear thee inwardly discoursing out of thy oracle i will boldly cry out how wonderful are thy works o lord in wisdom hast thou made them all and this wisdom is the beginning and in that beginning didst thou make heaven and earth end of book 11 chapter 9book eleven chapters ten to twenty of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book eleven chapter ten lo are they not full of their old leaven who say to us what was god doing before he made heaven and earth for if say they he were unemployed and wrought not why does he not also henceforth and for ever as he did heretofore for did any new motion arise in god and a new will to make a creature which he had never before made how then would that be a true eternity where there ariseth a will which was not for the will of god is not a creature but before the creature seeing nothing could be created unless the will of the creator had proceeded the will of god then belongeth to his very substance and if aught have arisen in god's substance which before was not that substance cannot be truly called eternal but if the will of god has been from eternity that the creature should be why was not the creature also from eternity chapter eleven who speak thus do not yet understand thee o wisdom of god light of souls understand not yet how the things be made which by thee and in thee are made yet they strive to comprehend things eternal whilst their heart fluttereth between the motions of things past and to come and is still unstable who shall hold it and fix it that it be settled a while and a while catch the glory of that ever fixed eternity and compare it with the times which are never fixed and see that it cannot be compared and that a long time cannot become long but out of many motions passing by which cannot be prolonged altogether but that in the eternal nothing passeth but the whole is present 
whereas no time is all at once present and that all time past is driven on by time to come and all to come followeth upon the past and all past and to come is created and flows out of that which is ever present who shall hold the heart of man that it may stand still and see how eternity is ever still standing neither past nor to come uttereth the times past and to come can my hand do this or the hand of my mouth by speech bring about a thing so great chapter twelve see i answer him that asketh what did god before he made heaven and earth i answer not as one is said to have done merrily eluding the pressure of the question he was preparing hell saith he for priors into mysteries it is one thing to answer inquiries another to make sport of inquirers so i answer not for rather had i answer i know not what i know not than so as to raise a laugh at him who asketh deep things and gain praise for one who answereth with false things but i say that thou our god art the creator of every creature and if by the name heaven and earth every creature be understood i boldly say that before god made heaven and earth he did not make anything for if he made what did he make but a creature and would i knew whatsoever i desire to know to my prophet as i know that no creature was made before there was made any creature chapter thirteen but if any excursive brain rove over the images of forepast times the wonder that thou the god almighty and all creating and all supporting maker of heaven and earth didst for innumerable ages forbear from so great a work before thou wouldst make it let him awake and consider that he wonders at false conceits for whence could innumerable ages pass by when thou madest not thou the author and creator of all ages or what times should there be which were not made by thee or how should they pass by if they never were seeing then thou art the creator of all times if any time was before thou madest heaven and earth why say they that thou didst forego working for that very time didst thou make nor could time pass by before thou madest those times but if before heaven and earth there was no time why is it demanded what thou then didst for there was no then when there was no time nor dost thou by time precede time else shouldst thou not precede all times but thou precedeth all things past by the sublimity of an ever-present eternity and surpasseth all future because they are future and when they come they shall be past but thou art the same and thy years fail not thy years neither come nor go whereas ours both come and go that they all may come thy years stand together because they do stand nor are departing thrust out by coming years for they pass not away but ours shall all be when they shall no more be thy years are one day and thy day is not daily but to-day seeing thy to-day gives not place unto to-morrow for neither doth it replace yesterday thy to-day is eternity therefore didst thou beget the co-eternal to whom thou saidst this day have i begotten thee thou hast made all things and before all times thou art neither in any time was time not chapter fourteen at no time then hadst thou not made anything because time itself thou madest and no times are co-eternal with thee because thou abidest but if they abode they should not be times 
for what is time who can readily and briefly explain this who can even in thought comprehend it so as to utter a word about it but what in discourse do we mention more familiarly and knowingly than time and we understand when we speak of it we understand also when we hear it spoken of by another what then is time if no one asks me i know if i wish to explain it to one that asketh i know not yet i say boldly that i know that if nothing passed away time past were not and if nothing were coming a time to come were not and if nothing were time present were not those two times then past and to come how are they seeing the past now is not and that to come is not yet but the present should it always be present and never pass away into time past verily it should not be time but eternity if time present if it is to be time only cometh into existence because it passeth into time past how can we say either this is whose cause of being is that it shall not be so namely that we cannot truly say that time is but because it is tending not to be chapter fifteen and yet we say a long time and a short time still only of time past or to come a long time past for example we call a hundred years since and a long time to come a hundred years hence but a short time past we call suppose ten days since and a short time to come ten days hence but in what sense is that long or short which is not for the past is not now and the future is not yet let us not then say it is long but of the past it hath been long and of the future it will be long o my lord my light shall not here also thy truth mock at man for that past time which was long was it long when it was now past or when it was yet present for then might it be long when there was what could be long but when past it was no longer wherefore neither could that be long which was not at all let us not then say time past hath been long for we shall not find what hath been long seeing that since it was past it is no more but let us say that present time was long because when it was present it was long for it had not yet passed away so as not to be and therefore was what could be long but after it was past that ceased also to be long which ceased to be let us see then thou soul of man whether present time can be long for to thee it is given to feel and to measure the length of time what wilt thou answer me are a hundred years when present a long time see first whether a hundred years can be present for if the first of these years be now current it is present but the other ninety and nine are to come and therefore are not yet but if the second year be current one is now past another present the rest to come and so if we assume any middle year of this hundred to be present all before it are past all after it to come wherefore a hundred years cannot be present but see at least whether that one which is now current itself is present for if the current month be its first the rest are to come if the second the first is already past and the rest are not yet therefore neither is the year now current present and if not present as a whole then is not the year present for twelve months are a year 
of which whatever be the current month is present the rest past or to come although neither is that current month present but one day only the rest being to come if it be the first past if the last if any of the middle then amid past and to come see how the present time which alone we found could be called long is abridged to the length scarce of one day but let us examine that also because neither is one day present as a whole for it is made up of four and twenty hours of night and day of which the first hath the rest to come the last hath them past and any of the middle hath those before it past those behind it to come yea that one hour passeth away in flying particles whatever of it hath flown away is past whatsoever remaineth is to come if an instant of time be conceived which cannot be divided into the smallest particles of moments that alone is which may be called present which yet flies with such speed from future to past so as not to be lengthened out with the least stay for if it be it is divided into past and future the present hath no space where then is the time which we may call long is it to come or if we do not say it is long because it is not yet so as to be long but we say it will be long when therefore will it be for if even then when it is not yet to come it shall not be long because what can be long as yet is not and so it shall then be long when from the future which as yet is not it shall begin now to be and have become present that so there should exist what may be long then does time present cry out in the words above that it cannot be long chapter sixteen and yet lord we perceive intervals of time and compare them and say some are shorter and others longer we measure also how much longer or shorter this time is than that and we answer this is double or treble and that but once or only just so much as that but we measure times as they are passing by perceiving them but past which now are not or the future which are not yet who can measure unless a man shall presume to say that can be measured which is not when then time is passing it may be perceived and measured but when it is past it cannot because it is not chapter seventeen i ask father i affirm not o my god rule and guide me who will tell me that there are not three times as we learned when boys and taught boys past present and future but present only because those two are not or are they also and when from future it becometh present doth it come out of some secret place and so when retiring from present it becometh past for where did they who foretold things to come see them if as yet they be not for that which is not cannot be seen and they who relate things past could not relate them if in mind they did not discern them and if they were not they could no way be discerned things then past and to come are chapter eighteen permit me lord to seek further o my hope let not my purpose be confounded for if times past and to come be i would know where they be which yet if i cannot yet i know wherever they be they are not there as future or past but present for if there also they be future they are not yet there 
if there also they be past they are no longer there wheresoever then is whatsoever is it is only as present although when past facts are related there are drawn out of the memory not the things themselves which are past but words which conceived by the images of the things they in passing have through the senses left as traces in the mind thus my childhood which now is not is in time past which now is not but now when i recall its image and tell of it i behold it in the present because it is still in my memory whether there be a like cause of foretelling things to come also that of things which as yet are not the images may be perceived before already existing i confess o oh my god i know not this indeed i know that we generally think before on our future actions and that that forethinking is present but the action whereof we forethink is not yet because it is to come which when we have set upon and have begun to do what we were forethinking then shall that action be because then it is no longer future but present which way soever then this secret foreperceiving of things to come be that only can be seen which is but what now is is not future but present when then things to come are said to be seen it is not themselves which as yet are not that is which are to be but their causes perchance or signs are seen which already are therefore they are not future but present to those who now see that from which the future being foreconceived in the mind is foretold which four conceptions again now are and those who foretell those things do behold the conceptions present before them let now the numerous variety of things furnish me some example i behold the daybreak i foreshew that the sun is about to rise what i behold is present what i foresignify to come not the sun which already is but the sun rising which is not yet and yet did i not in my mind imagine the sun rising itself as now while i speak of it i could not foretell it but neither is that daybreak which i discern in the sky the sun rising although it goes before it nor that imagination of my mind which two are seen now present that the other which is to be may be foretold future things then are not yet and if they be not yet they are not and if they are not they cannot be seen yet foretold they may be from things present which are already and are seen chapter nineteen thou then ruler of thy creation by what way dost thou teach souls things to come for thou didst teach thy prophets by what way dost thou to whom nothing is to come teach things to come or rather of the future dost teach things present for what is not neither can it be taught too far is this way out of my ken it is too mighty for me i cannot attain unto it but from thee i can when thou shalt vouchsafe it o sweet light of my hidden eyes chapter twenty what now is clear and plain is that neither things to come nor past are nor is it properly said there be three times past present and to come yet perchance it might be properly said there be three times a present of things past a present of things present and a present of things future for these three do exist in some sort in the soul but otherwhere do i not see them present of things past memory present of things present sight present of things future 
expectation if thus we be permitted to speak i see three times and i confess there are three let it be said too there be three times past present and to come in our incorrect way see i object not nor gainsay nor find fault if what is so said be but understood that neither what is to be now is nor what is past for but few things are there which we speak properly most things improperly still the things intended are understood End of book 11 chapter 20book eleven chapters twenty one to thirty one of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book eleven chapter twenty one i said then even now we measure times as they pass in order to be able to say this time is twice so much as that one or this is just so much as that and so of any other parts of time which are measurable wherefore as i said we measure times as they pass and if any should ask me how knowest thou i might answer i know that we do measure nor can we measure things that are not and things past and to come are not but time present how do we measure seeing it has no space it is measured while passing but when it shall have passed it is not measured for there will be nothing to be measured but whence by what way and whither passes it while it is a measuring whence but from the future which way but through the present whither but into the past from that therefore which is not yet through that which hath no space into that which now is not yet what do we measure if not time in some space for we do not say single and double and triple and equal or any other like way that we speak of time except of spaces of time in what space then do we measure time passing in the future whence it passeth through but what is not yet we measure not or in the present by which it passes but no space we do not measure or in the past into which it passes but neither do we measure that which now is not chapter twenty two my soul is on fire to know this most intricate enigma shut it not up o lord my god good father through christ i beseech thee do not shut up these usual yet hidden things from my desire that it be hindered from piercing into them but let them dawn through thy enlightening mercy o lord whom shall i inquire of concerning these things and to whom shall i more fruitfully confess my ignorance than to thee to whom these my studies so vehemently kindled toward thy scriptures are not troublesome give what i love for i do love and this hast thou given me give father who truly knowest to give good gifts unto thy children give because i have taken upon me to know and trouble is before me unless thou openest it by christ i beseech thee in his name holy of holies let no man disturb me for i believed and therefore do i speak this is my hope for this do i live that i may contemplate the delights of the lord behold thou hast made my days old and they pass away and how i know not and we talk of time and time and times and times how long time is it since he said this 
how long time since he did this and how long time since i saw that and this syllable hath double time to that single short syllable these words we speak and these we hear and are understood and understand most manifest and ordinary they are and the self-same things again are but too deeply hidden and the discovery of them were new chapter twenty three i heard once from a learned man that the motions of the sun moon and stars constituted time and i assented not for why should not the motions of all bodies rather be times or if the lights of heaven should cease and a potter's wheel run round should there be no time by which we might measure these whirlings and say that either it moved with equal pauses or if it turned sometimes slower otherwhile quicker that some rounds were longer others shorter or while we were saying this should we not also be speaking in time or should there in our words be some syllables short others long but because these sounded in a shorter time these in a longer god grant to men to see in a small thing notices common to things great and small the stars and lights of heaven are also for signs and for seasons and for years and for days they are yet neither should i say that the going round of that wooden wheel was a day nor yet he that it was therefore no time i desire to know the force and nature of time by which we measure the motions of bodies and say for example this motion is twice as long as that for i ask seeing day denotes not the stay only of the sun upon the earth according to which day is one thing night another but also its whole circuit from east to east again according to which we say there passed so many days the night being included when we say so many days and the nights not reckoned apart seeing then a day is completed by the motion of the sun and by his circuit from east to east again i ask does the motion alone make the day or the stay in which that motion is completed or both for if the first be the day then should we have a day although the sun should finish that course in so small a space of time as one hour comes to if the second then should not that make a day if between one sunrise and another there were but so short a stay as one hour comes to but the sun must go four and twenty times about to complete one day if both then neither could that be called a day if the sun should run his whole round in the space of one hour nor that if while the sun stood still so much time should overpass as the sun usually makes his whole course in from morning to morning i will not therefore now ask what that is which is called day but what time is whereby we measuring the circuit of the sun should say that it was finished in half the time it was wont if so be it was finished in so small a space as twelve hours and comparing both times should call this a single time that a double time even supposing the sun to run his round from east to east sometimes in that single sometimes in that double time let no man tell me that the motions of the heavenly bodies constitute times because when at the prayer of one the sun had stood still till he could achieve his victorious battle the sun stood still but time went on for in its allotted space of time was that battle waged and ended i perceive time then to be a certain extension but do i perceive it or seem to perceive it thou light and truth wilt show me chapter twenty four 
dost thou bid me assent if any define time to be motion of a body thou dost not bid me for that no body is moved but in time i hear this thou sayest but that the motion of a body is time i hear not thou sayest it not for when a body is moved i by time measure how long it moveth from the time it began to move until it left off and if i did not see whence it began and it continue to move so that i see not when it ends i cannot measure save perchance from the time i began until i cease to see and if i look long i can only pronounce it to be a long time but not how long because when we say how long we do it by comparison as this is as long as that or this is twice so long as that or the like but when we can mark the distances of the places whence and whither goeth the body moved or his parts if it moved as in a lathe then can we say precisely on how much time the motion of that body or his part from this place unto that was finished seeing therefore the motion of a body is one thing and that by which we measure how long it is another who sees not which of the two is rather to be called time for and if a body be sometimes moved sometimes stand still then we measure not his motion only but his standing still too by time and we say it stood still as much as it moved or it stood still twice or thrice so long as it moved or any other space which our measuring hath either ascertained or guessed more or less as we used to say time then is not the motion of a body chapter twenty five and i confess to thee o lord that i yet know not what time is and again i confess to thee o lord that i know that i speak this in time and that having long spoken of time that very long is not long but by the pause of time how then know i this seeing i know not what time is or is it perchance that i know not how to express what i know woe is me that do not even know what i know not behold o my god before thee i lie not but as i speak so in my heart thou shalt light my candle thou o lord my god wilt enlighten my darkness chapter twenty six does not my soul most truly confess unto thee that i do measure times do i then measure o my god and know not what i measure i measure the motion of a body in time and the time itself do i not measure or could i indeed measure the motion of a body how long it were and how long space it could come from this place to that without measuring the time in which it is moved the same time then how do i measure do we by a shorter time measure a longer as by the space of a cubit the space of a rood for so indeed we seem by the space of a short syllable to measure the space of a long syllable and to say that this is double the other thus measure we the spaces of stanzas by the spaces of the verses and the spaces of the verses by the spaces of the feet and the spaces of the feet by the spaces of the syllables and the spaces of long by the spaces of short syllables not measuring by pages for then we measure spaces not times but when we utter the words and they pass by and we say it is a long stanza because composed of so many verses long verses because consisting of so many feet long feet because prolonged by so many syllables a long syllable because double to a short one 
but neither do we this way obtain any certain measure of time because it may be that a shorter verse pronounced more fully may take up more time than a longer pronounced hurriedly and so for a verse a foot a syllable whence it seemed to me that time is nothing else than protraction but of what i know not and i marvel if it not be of the mind itself for what i beseech thee o my god do i measure when i say either indefinitely this is a longer time than that or definitely this is double that that i measure time i know and yet i measure not time to come for it is not yet nor present because it is not protracted by any space nor past because it now is not what then do i measure times passing not past for so i said chapter twenty seven courage my mind and press on mightily god is our helper he made us and not we ourselves press on where truth begins to dawn suppose now the voice of a body begins to sound and does sound and sounds on and list it ceases it is silence now and that voice is past and is no more a voice before it sounded it was to come and could not be measured because as yet it was not and now it cannot because it is no longer then therefore while it sounded it might because there then was what might be measured but yet even then it was not at a stay for it was passing on and passing away could it be measured the rather for that for while passing it was being extended into some space of time so that it might be measured since the present hath no space if therefore it might then lo suppose another voice hath begun to sound and still soundeth in one continued tenor without any interruption let us measure it while it sounds seeing when it hath left sounding it will then be past and nothing left to be measured let us measure it verily and tell how much it is but it sounds still nor can it be measured but from the instant it began in unto the end it left in for the very space between is the thing we measure namely from some beginning unto some end wherefore a voice that is not yet ended cannot be measured so that it may be said how long or short it is nor can it be called equal to another or double to a single or the like but when ended it no longer is how may it then be measured and yet we measure times but yet neither those which are not yet nor those which no longer are nor those which are not lengthened out by some pause nor those which have no bounds we measure neither times to come nor past nor present nor passing and yet we do measure times deus creator omnium this verse of eight syllables alternates between short and long syllables the four short then the first third fifth and seventh are but single in respect of the four long the second fourth sixth and eighth every one of these to every one of those hath a double time i pronounce them report on them and find it so as one's plain sense perceives by plain sense then i measure a long syllable by a short and i sensibly find it to have twice so much but when one sounds after the other if the former be short the latter long 
how shall i detain the short one and how measuring shall i apply it to the long that i may find this to have twice so much seeing the long does not begin to sound unless the short leaves sounding and that very long one do i measure as present seeing i measure it not till it be ended now his ending is his passing away what then is it i measure where is the short syllable by which i measure where the long which i measure both have sounded have flown passed away are no more and yet i measure and confidently answer so far as is presumed on a practised sense that as to space of time this syllable is but single that double and yet i could not do this unless they were already passed and ended it is not then themselves which now are not that i measure but something in my memory which there remains fixed it is in thee my mind that i measure times interrupt me not that is interrupt not myself with the tumults of thy impressions in thee i measure times the impression which things as they pass by cause in thee remains even when they are gone this it is which still present i measure not the things which pass by to make this impression this i measure when i measure times either then this is time or i do not measure times what when we measure silence and say that this silence hath held as long time as did that voice do we not stretch out our thought to the measure of a voice as if it sounded so that we may be able to report of the intervals of silence in a given space of time for though both voice and tongue be still yet in thought we go over poems and verses and any other discourse or dimensions of motions and report as to the spaces of times how much this is in respect of that no otherwise than if vocally we did pronounce them if a man would utter a lengthened sound and had settled in thought how long it should be he hath in silence already gone through a space of time and committing it to memory begins to utter that speech which sounds on until it be brought into the end proposed yea it hath sounded and will sound for so much of it as is finished hath sounded already and the rest will sound and thus passed it on until the present intent conveys over the future into the past the past increasing by the diminution of the future until by the consumption of the future all is past chapter twenty eight but how is that future diminished or consumed which as yet is not or how that past increased which is now no longer save that in the mind which enacteth this there be three things done for it expects it considers it remembers that so that which it expecteth through that which it considereth passeth into that which it remembereth who therefore denieth that things to come are not as yet and yet there is in the mind an expectation of things to come and who denies past things to be now no longer and yet is there still in the mind a memory of things past and who denieth that the present time hath no space because it passeth away in a moment and yet our consideration continueth through which that which shall be present proceedeth to become absent it is not then the future time that is long for as yet it is not but a long future is a long expectation of the future 
nor is it time past which now is not that is long but a long past is a long memory of the past i am about to repeat a psalm that i know before i begin my expectation is extended over the whole but when i have begun how much soever of it i shall separate off into the past is extended along my memory thus the life of this action of mine is divided between my memory as to what i have repeated and expectation as to what i am about to repeat but consideration is present with me that through it what was future may be conveyed over so as to become past which the more it is done again and again so much more the expectation being shortened is the memory enlarged till the whole expectation be at length exhausted when that whole action being ended shall have passed into memory and this which takes place in the whole psalm the same takes place in each several portion of it and each several syllable the same holds in that longer action whereof this psalm may be a part the same holds in the whole life of man whereof all the actions of man are parts the same holds through the whole ages of the sons of men whereof all the lives of men are parts chapter twenty nine but because thy loving-kindness is better than all lives behold my life is but a distraction and thy right hand upheld me in my lord the son of man the mediator betwixt thee the one and us many many also through our manifold distractions amid many things that by him i may apprehend in whom i have been apprehended and may be recollected from my old conversation to follow the one forgetting what is behind and not distended but extended not to things which shall be and shall pass away but to those things which are before not distractedly but intently i follow on for the prize of my heavenly calling where i may hear the voice of thy praise and contemplate thy delights neither to come nor to pass away but now are my years spent in mourning and thou o lord art my comfort my father everlasting but i have been severed amid times whose order i know not and my thoughts even the inmost bowels of my soul are rent and mangled with tumultuous varieties until i flow together into thee purified and molten by the fire of thy love chapter thirty and now will i stand and become firm in thee in my mould thy truth nor will i endure the questions of men who by a penal disease thirst for more than they can contain and say what did god before he made heaven and earth or how came it into his mind to make anything having never before made anything give them o lord well to bethink themselves what they say and to find that never cannot be predicated when time is not this then that he said is said never to have made what else is it to say then in no time to have made let them see therefore that time cannot be without created being and cease to speak that vanity may they also be extended towards these things which are before and understand thee before all times the eternal creator of all times and that no times be coeternal with thee nor any creature even if there be any creature before all times chapter thirty one o lord my god what a depth is that recess of thy mysteries 
and how far from it have the consequences of my transgressions cast me heal mine eyes that i may share the joy of thy light certainly if there be a mind gifted with such vast knowledge and foreknowledge as to know all things past and to come as i know one well-known psalm truly that mind is passing wonderful and fearfully amazing in that nothing past nothing to come in after ages is any more hidden from him than when i sung that psalm was hidden from me what and how much of it had passed away from the beginning what and how much there remained unto the end but far be it that thou the creator of the universe the creator of souls and bodies far be it that thou shouldest in such wise know all things past and to come far far more wonderfully and far more mysteriously dost thou know them for not as the feelings of one who singeth what he knoweth or heareth some well-known song are through expectation of the words to come and the remembering of those that are past varied and his senses divided not so doth anything happen unto thee unchangeably eternal that is the eternal creator of minds like then as thou in the beginning knowest the heavens and the earth without any variety of thy knowledge so madest thou in the beginning heaven and earth without any distraction of thy action whoso understandeth let him confess unto thee and whoso understandeth not let him confess unto thee o oh, how high art thou and yet the humble in heart are thy dwelling-place thou raisest up those that are bowed down and they fall not whose elevation thou art end of book eleven book twelve chapters one to ten of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Twelve. Augustine proceeds to comment on Genesis one one, and explains the heaven to mean that spiritual and incorporeal creation which cleaves to God intermittingly, always beholding His countenance. Earth, the formless matter whereof the corporeal creation was afterwards formed. He does not reject, however, other interpretations which he adduces but rather confesses that such is the depth of the holy scripture that manifold senses may and ought to be extracted from it and that whatever truth can be obtained from its words does in fact lie concealed in them chapter one my heart o lord touched with the words of thy holy scripture is much busied amid this poverty of my life and therefore most times is the poverty of human understanding copious in words because inquiring hath more to say than discovering and demanding is longer than obtaining and our hand that knocks hath more work to do than our hand that receives we hold the promise who shall make it null if god be for us who can be against us ask and ye shall have seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you for every one that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh shall it be opened these be thine own promises and who need fear to be deceived when the truth promiseth chapter two the lowliness of my tongue confesseth unto thy highness that thou madest heaven and earth this heaven which i see and this earth that i tread upon whence is this earth that i bear about me 
thou madest it but where is that heaven of heavens o lord which we hear of in the words of the psalm the heaven of heavens are the lord's but the earth hath he given to the children of men where is that heaven which we see not to which all this which we see is earth for this corporeal whole not being holy everywhere hath in such wise received its portion of beauty in these lower parts whereof the lowest of this our earth but to that heaven of heavens even the heaven of our earth is but earth yea both these great bodies may not absurdly be called earth to that unknown heaven which is the lord's not the sons of men chapter three and now this earth was indivisible and without form and there was i know not what depth of abyss upon which there was no light because it had no shape therefore didst thou command it to be written that darkness was upon the face of the deep what else then the absence of light for had there been light where should it have been but by being over all aloft and enlightening where then light was not what was the presence of darkness but the absence of light darkness therefore was upon it because light was not upon it as where sound is not there is silence and what is it to have silence there but to have no sound there hast not thou o lord taught this soul which confesseth unto thee hast not thou taught me lord that before thou formest and diversifiest this formless matter there was nothing neither colour nor figure nor body nor spirit and yet not altogether nothing for there was a certain formlessness without any beauty chapter four how then should it be called that it might be in some measure conveyed to those of duller mind but by some ordinary word and what among all parts of the world can be found nearer to an absolute formlessness than earth and deep for occupying the lowest stage they are less beautiful than the other higher parts are transparent all and shining wherefore then may i not conceive the formlessness of matter which thou hast created without beauty whereof to make this beautiful world to be suitably intimated unto men by the name of earth invisible and without form chapter five so that when thought seeketh what the sense may conceive under this and saith to itself it is no intellectual form as life or justice because it is the matter of bodies nor object of sense because being invisible and without form there was in it no object of sight or sense while man's thought thus saith to itself it may endeavour either to know it by being ignorant of it or to be ignorant by knowing it chapter six but i lord if i would by my tongue and my pen confess unto thee the whole whatever thyself hath taught me of this matter the name whereof hearing before and not understanding when they who understand it not told me of it so i conceived of it as having innumerable forms and diverse and therefore did not conceive it at all my mind tossed up and down foul and horrible forms out of all order but yet forms and i called it without form not that it wanted all form but because it had such as my mind would if presented to it turn from as unwanted and jarring and human frailness would be troubled at and still that which i conceived was without form not as being deprived of all form but in comparison of more beautiful forms 
and true reason did persuade me that i must utterly uncase it of all remnants of form whatsoever if i would conceive matter absolutely without form and i could not for sooner could i imagine that not to be all which should be deprived of all form than to conceive a thing betwixt form and nothing neither formed nor nothing a formless almost nothing so my mind gave over to question thereupon with my spirit it being filled with the images of formed bodies and changing and varying them as it willed and i bent myself to the bodies themselves and looked more deeply into their changeableness by which they cease to be what they have been and begin to be what they are not and this same shifting from form to form i suspected to be through a certain formless state though not through a mere nothing yet this i longed to know not to suspect only if then my voice and pen would confess unto thee the whole whatsoever knots thou didst open for me in this question what reader would hold out to take in the whole nor shall my heart for all this cease to give thee honour and a song of praise for these things which it is not able to express for the changeableness of changeable things is itself capable of all those forms into which these changeable things are changed and this changeableness what is it is it soul is it body is it that which constituteth soul or body might one say a nothing something an is is not i would say this were it and yet in some way was it even then as being capable of receiving these visible and compound figures chapter seven but whence had it this degree of being but from thee from whom are all things so far forth as they are but so much the further from thee as the unlikelier thee for it is not farness of place thou therefore lord who art not one in one place and otherwise in another but the self-same and the self-same and the self-same holy 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 lord god almighty didst in the beginning which is of thee in thy wisdom which was born of thine own substance create something and that out of nothing for thou createst heaven and earth not out of thyself for so should they have been equal to thine own begotten son and thereby to thee also whereas no way were it right that aught should be equal to thee which was not of thee and aught else besides thee was there not whereof thou mightest create them o god one trinity and trine unity and therefore out of nothing didst thou create heaven and earth a great thing and a small thing for thou art almighty and good to make all things good even the great heaven and the petty earth thou wert and nothing was there besides out of which thou createst heaven and earth things of two sorts one near thee the other near to nothing one to which thou alone shouldst be superior the other to which nothing should be inferior chapter eight but that heaven of heavens was for thyself o lord but the earth which thou gavest to the sons of men to be seen and felt was not such as we now see and feel for it was invisible without form and there was a deep upon which there was no light or darkness was above the deep that is more than in the deep because this deep of waters visible now hath even in its depths a light proper for its nature 
perceivable in whatever degree unto the fishes and creeping things in the bottom of it but that whole deep was almost nothing because hitherto it was altogether without form yet there was already that which could be formed for thou lord madest the whole world of a matter without form which out of nothing thou madest next to nothing thereof to make those great things which we sons of men wonder at for very wonderful is this corporeal heaven of which firmament between water and water the second day after the creation of light thou saidst let it be made and it was made which firmament thou callest heaven the heaven that is to this earth and sea which thou madest the third day by giving a visible figure to the formless matter which thou madest before all days for already hadst thou made both a heaven before all days but that was the heaven of this heaven because in the beginning thou hadst made heaven and earth but this same earth which thou madest was formless matter because it was invisible and without form and darkness was upon the deep of which invisible earth and without form of which formlessness of which almost nothing thou mightest make all these things of which this changeable world consists but subsists not whose very changeableness appears therein that times can be observed and numbered in it for times are made by the alteration of things while the figures the matter whereof is the invisible earth aforesaid are varied and turned chapter nine and therefore the spirit the teacher of thy servant when it recounts thee to have in the beginning created heaven and earth speaks nothing of times nothing of days for verily that heaven of heavens which thou createst in the beginning is some intellectual creature which although no ways coeternal unto thee the trinity yet partaketh of thy eternity and doth through the sweetness of that most happy contemplation of thyself strongly restrain its own changeableness and without any fall since its first creation cleaving close unto thee is placed beyond all the rolling vicissitudes of times yea neither is this very formlessness of the earth invisible and without form numbered among the days for where no figure or order is there does nothing come or go and where this is not there plainly are no days nor any vicissitudes of spaces of times chapter ten o oh, let the light the truth the light of my heart not mine own darkness speak unto me i fell off into that and became darkened but even thence even thence i loved thee i went astray and remembered thee i heard thy voice behind me calling to me to return and scarcely heard it through the tumultuousness of the enemies of peace and now behold i return in distress and panting after thy fountain let no man forbid me of this will i drink and so live let me not be mine own life for myself i lived ill death was i to myself and i revive in thee do thou speak unto me do thou discourse unto me i have believed thy books and their words be most full of mystery. End of Book 12, Chapter 10